Good morning. I'm Maya Wimala, and today is Tuesday, January the 19th. Tomorrow, our new president is going to be uh, sworn in in a heavily guarded city, and we start a new administration, and uh, I think there's a lot of tension and a lot of nervousness in the country. So, um, good news and bad news for all combined for our entire, entire country. So I'd like to start today talking about metta again, loving kindness, loving kindness practice. And um, this is a very important practice in the Buddhist world, and loving kindness is something that can be practiced universally. So it's it's more it's well what I'm going to read today. This is a continuation from Ajahn Sumedho in the book, a uh, small book called Peace and Kindness. It was published as a small, almost like a booklet of talks uh, from. American and British monks from Ajahn Chah's, Chah's tradition, and Ajahn Sumedho is American, and I think he's, I'm not sure if he's living in Thailand or England or uh, in the U.S. these days, I think in Thailand. <laughs> but this was written in 1990 and compiled from talks that were at an earlier date. So I read the other day, the beginning, Reflections on Metta, metta the practice of sending that, um, that boundless quality of goodwill and loving kindness and why we do it and what it's about. So I want to read a little bit more from that and then we can sit and practice because I think all of us are, all of our nerves are what, what, what our my mother used to say, like, somebody's nerves were worn down. And uh, I think we're all feeling like our nerves are worn down, right? Because of uh, unrest in the country and issues that are coming up in this country that I think a lot of us have wanted to try and uh, think had been settled down a lot more, had been resolved more. And uh, we also have COVID in, uh, raging in the country, more contagious, and the long-term effects from anyone who's had COVID when they recover are difficult, challenging, to say the least. So, so we keep going because these are all just conditions of samsara, and samsara is this, the outer world we live in, just all the things going on that are beyond our control. And there's what's, what's in our control is how we, how we deal with the things going on, our attitudes, our actions, our behavior. And so the work is, all that work is to be done within us and accepting the conditions recognizing them and seeing them as they are is part of the, the challenge that we have. So I'm going to uh, try to skip over a, a few of this, but I would like to read a few 
the equivalent of maybe two pages, okay? And then we'll sit. So if you want to, as I'm reading, you can just relax your body and um, just let what what is here to soak in for you uh, soak in. But you can prepare your body by relaxing and be with your breath. Be with the, the breath as your body's breathing, and I'd like to read a little bit of this. We talked about wisdom without love and love without wisdom, that neither one is really what we're looking for. The opening of the heart allows us to be in the flow and movement and the change, to be with conditions as we perceive them. Conditions are impermanent, aren't they? They arise and cease, so that to be fully open to the arising and cessation of the conditioned world, you have to be with it rather than trying to perceive it. Because you can perceive the beginning and the end, but most of what we are actually experiencing is beyond perception. It's just as it is. Like the perceptions we have, they arise and fix on a certain quality, a certain position, but mindfulness means that we can actually be with the changingness of the sensory world, which has no perception. That's why we use words like suchness and as-isness to remind ourselves to be with the flow and movement rather than be than to be rather than to be attached to perceptions as reality. Now, the rational mind tends to think, well, I'm spreading metta to my mother over in California, but is she really benefiting from that? If we could get some kind of electronic instrument, we could hook it up to my old mother, and then while I'm spreading metta over here at Amarawati, see if there's any visible qualitative effect upon her. The rational mind wants to measure, because if there's nothing, if she's not feeling it, then why bother, why delude ourselves, why pretend? The rational mind thinks in terms of quantity and quality, and if something doesn't have a quantity of or, or quality, then it's worthless, useless. But I know this, that if I tell my mother I love her, I don't have to keep telling her, calling her on the phone three times a day. She's not stupid. If I say, I've spread metta to you every day. I send my goodwill to you every day. I know that makes her feel happy. I see it in her face when I visit her, and I don't have to have a special instrument to measure it. It's just good sense, isn't it? Mothers like to be told that they're loved. I like to be told that I'm loved, and I'm not even a mother. That's Ajahn Sumedho. I am a mother. So when I'm sending goodwill every morning to my mother and wondering if she's really feeling it, that doesn't matter, does it? That's just the desire to have a result and to know for sure about something. It's not the quality of faith and trust. To me, it's a lot better use of time to send metta to my mother or other beings than to sit around thinking of myself to spend all the time just thinking about me 
and worrying about this and that, that really is the way toward depression and despair. And yet we might think it's worth spending the whole day thinking about ourselves rather than radiating metta because we find ourselves probably more significant than anyone else. At first, metta needs to be something we radiate to ourselves, willing good to this being here, because this creature is the most significant one for us. Maybe we'd rather have metta for our mothers or some inspiring figure. It's easier sometimes to send goodwill to some wonderful person or to masses of people. But we have to admit that in this lifetime, this being is the most significant being for ourselves. This is the being that was born, that we are with all the time. So we admit that. It's not a selfish practice, metta for oneself. It's not for selfish gain. It's just the willingness to respect and to learn how to live in the right way with these conditions. Metta has no limits. First, it's directed towards oneself, and then it radiates outwards to all beings. And so we can visualize in our minds, our parents, our teachers, the rulers of the country, friends, enemies, the sun and moon, the seen and the unseen. It has no limit. Anything you can imagine, all the unfortunate beings in the world, the miserable, unwanted, unloved beings, the beautiful, lovable beings, the animal kingdom, the fish in the ocean, the birds in the sky, the heavenly beings, and the devils. Using these terms as a way of expanding our consciousness to where thoughts can't reach. The Buddhist cosmology really takes thought to its limit and extremes, from the highest formless realm of neither perception nor non-perception to the lowest, most miserable, painful realm of hell. And that's about where your ability to perceive stops. The Buddhist cosmology is a kind of scheme of perception, taking us to the extremes of positive and negative of ultimate refinement and ultimate coarseness. And because metta is using our ability to radiate the thoughts of goodwill, then of course thoughts are what we're using. We're thinking of, say, the animal kingdom, of animals like cats and dogs, budgies and horses, the animals that we don't eat but that we love, So he talks about animals, the animals that we eat, or we eat their, uh, they, we eat their eggs. We, we think of our pets that we would never imagine, even imagine as food. The animals we eat and that we exploit. So when we think of all those animals, we send metta to them. They give us a lot, don't they? But how many people really think of thanking them for it, of sending goodwill to them and expressing gratitude for all the good things we get and the benefits we have from these animals? 
So he talks about going and releasing uh, these animals to give them freedom. We know to liberate them. Uh, all the chickens that are cooped up and the animals in pens and waiting to become food. We may think we want to liberate them and free them. That's it. That's real metta. But all those poor wretched creatures wouldn't know what to do. They'd die if you just let them out. So what might be a seemingly kind act, this idea of liberating them, those chickens are not ready for freedom because they wouldn't know how to survive. They would just be terrified and lost. But we can reflect and send goodwill to them. Nobody can stop us from doing that. And we can develop a way of life so that eventually this sort of unkind, exploitative activity will lessen. The more we are aware and compassionate, the more we realize there are all kinds of ways and means of letting go of those kind of exploitative activities and unnecessary cruelty. And then he talks, and I've read some of this before, how can we help the government of this country? I know we're all thinking that these days. It doesn't matter which, uh, what uh, viewpoints we have. We all have, we're all worried about our government, concerned about it. Metta is something we can send every day. Send goodwill to the government, willing good to them, so that as we approach each other with goodwill, then all the fears and anxieties and threats diminish. If we just look at, and he's talking about Margaret Thatcher, Mrs. Thatcher, remember this is from the 80s and early 90s. If we just look at Mrs. Thatcher with a critical eye and hate her because she doesn't agree with our views and want to get rid of her and complain, then of course she reacts very strongly to that kind of treatment. Just as if I criticize you and pick away at you all the time, then what happens? You dig in your heels and become more stubborn. Unless you're really mindful, you become more difficult. Because even if I'm right about it, even if you are doing things wrong, if I'm always on your back nagging away at you, it's not, it's not providing you with any kind of opportunity to rise up to a situation. All you've done is feel, all you're doing is feeling worse and worse, and then your rebellion is just a reaction. So you might do even worse things just to spite me. This tendency to dwell endlessly on what's wrong and blame others creates the very conditions for the increasing of misery. But when we regard people as intelligent, mature beings, even if they aren't that way all the time, we give them the benefit of the doubt, and most people will rise to a situation if they have the opportunity to do so. One more paragraph. Metta is not a blinding kind of quality. It's the willingness to admit the fault without dwelling on it without being obsessed with what's wrong. Like metta for yourself, it doesn't mean that you say, I'm all right and I'm perfect and there's nothing wrong. It means that you are quite willing to admit weaknesses, faults within your experience of life, 
without making that into anything. It's a clarity. The mind is clear, brilliant, radiant, bright and reflective, rather than just a pink cloud that we blot out every ugly thing with. That's not metta. That's projecting a pink cloud from your mind. So, when we begin metta practice, we're also beginning to contemplate our relationships with all the beings, all the people, all the beings. We're contemplating that that relationship with them as we practice. And I'm sure a lot of us have had that experience that as we practice metta, it it takes our focus off ourselves. And we do begin to think about, really think about our relationships with the others in our world and then about all the others who are not in our immediate world but we're sending goodwill to. We're not practicing metta just to have a happy mind, although that is one of the things that happens when we practice metta. There's no radiance to that because that kind of metta, if we're just practicing for ourselves, although it's better than nothing, still lacks the radiance of a mind which makes no demand. With that mind, you're not even asking to be happy or have any happy moments in your life whatsoever because you're willing to just work with life, to forgive and give forth goodwill. When we relate to each other like this, it has a good effect on our minds. But that's not what we're doing it for. It's worth doing it in its own right, just as it is. If we're doing it for a good result, it will be disappointing because immediately selfish thoughts come in There will always be some form of suffering or dukkha. We become discontented about it. Well, I've been sending goodwill to that person for years now, and they still hate me. Haven't got anything out of it. Might as well stop. Then our goodwill is being sent with the idea of gaining something, of demand, expecting that they will appreciate it. That's why it's important to understand the nature of the mind so that we can begin to see the problem of selfish view. That is going to put a damper on every experience. It's always going to spoil every moment of your life as long as you're deluded in this way. You won't even know it. You'd still be wretched, wretched. If Gautama Buddha came in here right now and sat down and you were filled with selfish few, you'd be saying, Venerable Sir, why aren't there any Buddhas around? With people whom we have a lot of resentment or bitterness toward, metta is a way of forgiving and reminding ourselves to let go of it. It's not dismissing or suppressing, but a reflection in forgiving and letting go of the perception. Start perceiving these people with metta rather than just being overwhelmed with bitterness and resentment. Even if you can't feel any real positive thing, metta needn't be all that magnificent. It can be just being patient and not making any kind of problem about it. 
It doesn't mean you like people who have been really rotten and unfair to you or those whom you can't like. Yet you can be kind to them, you can forgive, you can do what is right and generous to them, even if you don't like them. So I read more than two pages. I get carried away. There's so much, just so much good in uh, in these words and what metta, what metta really is and the great, the incredible depth to what we're practicing. And so it's more, I really like the idea that metta is, is a good way for us to take the focus off of ourselves, even if it's just while we're practicing metta. We begin with ourselves because we are important. You know, this, this is the being that we were born to be. And we're trying to understand it and work with it. But uh, then as we start contemplating our relationships, as we move out from ourselves, it gives us a chance to get away from our focus on ourselves. And I think during this pandemic, that's why meta practice has been so important. We are not only able to shift the focus from what's happening to me, but we can focus on our loved ones. And very often that that group becomes bigger and bigger, I find. And then we can focus out to people. And with our loved ones, it, it may not be someone that we're always happy with. It may be, uh, it might be a relative we don't have much contact to, but we begin to see as we practice metta every day that, uh, that, that we're sending metta to those people we love regardless of the current state of the relationship. Whatever difficulties we've had with them or just a lack of um, exchange between us. You know, communication becomes distant because they're far away or our lives are very different. Uh, metta practice is a good way to reconnect and, and really... Uh, be able to to think about those relationships and how dear they have been to us in our lives. And then as we move out, we're moving out further and further away from what's the closest to us. We're, we're able to contemplate our relationship with all, all creatures, all animals. And I love what he says about that too. From those closest to us and the ones that actually are part of our group of loved ones, out to all of the animals and the ones that are giving service to us or giving their lives for us, and how that actually is a way for us to set up a future where a lot of those animals are not being badly treated, or there are not so many that need to be uh, rounded up to feed us and to provide us with things that we may not even need. So we're, we're building a base. We're building a base not only for ourselves, but to all of those beings and all for the world to change. So I think we can see how important metta practice is. And if you can't do anything else during the day, that's the practice I recommend that we all do because you can do it anywhere, anytime. So 
that can be a good way if you can just let your mind focus and there's an endless there's an endless way we can send metta out i mean it's an endless quality it has no bounds and so there's always well there's always room to grow with our metta practice no matter how much our mind is expanding the metta practice this as well as other practices too can can grow we can grow with them because it's a boundless endless quality to learn to work with and send out so we just have a, uh, not too many minutes so why don't we sit and practice the metta and then when i have to finish you can just keep going with it if you have the time. So if you can, close your eyes and just allow your body to relax. Focus on the body breathing. We began sending those warm thoughts to ourselves. And you can pick the thoughts you're sending. These are, these are blessings we're sending. Good wishes. When we send good wishes to someone, we are wishing them the best. We're wishing them the best conditions. We're wishing and blessing them. So even blessings in the Buddhist world mean sending good wishes. And these good wishes are always from the highest level, not the mundane level. May I be well. May I feel safe in this world. May I be content. May I find joy in the everyday small moments and allow myself to feel that delight. May I be free from suffering and the conditions of suffering. May I live at peace. Now move out from yourself a bit. Think of your loved ones, your family members, your dear friends who are your extended family. your noble friends. Just visualize the faces of these loved ones and send the same loving thoughts to them. May each one of my loved ones be well and feel safe in the world. May they be content 
and be able to find joy and delight in the world, even in the smallest things. May they be living in peace. May all of my loved ones be free from fear and worry and anxiety. Now, why don't we think about all of those who have suffered during this period, either from COVID-19 or from other suffering, those who have recovered and those who have not survived. those who have passed on for other reasons. Send out good thoughts to all of them, hoping that they have, that they are peacefully making a transition from this world, that they are calm, as they die, as they're in the hospitals, as they are recovering. And now, if you're in this country, let's think of all of the nameless leaders and the leaders that we can name. Everyone in this country, as we move forward tomorrow, may all of these people, all of these leaders, be genuinely leading with goodwill in their hearts. With wisdom. With compassion. May they be able to lead this country making the best possible choices. May our country remain at peace internally and externally.
And just keep radiating out further and further. Think of all beings in the world. Human beings, not human beings. Beings being born and those dying. All living beings. Beings in realms we can't imagine. May all living beings be free from suffering and the causes for suffering. Free from anxiety and worry. and fear free from hunger and thirst and the extremes of the weather may all beings be able to care for themselves or be cared for with love and may all beings be able to live in peace. Thank you for being with me, and you can just keep radiating now. You can just walk around with this feeling of radiance and just sending out these good thoughts wherever you, with whatever or whoever you come in contact with. So thank you so much in these difficult times. We need it. The world needs it. So thanks for being part of my practice. I'll see you Thursday.